welcome to episode number 69 of the spoiler cast i'm your host dan and i'm joined here by Bera. hey everybody how's it going hey hey Allie. are y'all horny for this one <laughs> and tristan it's not the best choice it's gamer's choice <laughs> wow that was beautiful tristan that was clap, beautiful clap, clap. um we are trying a new software today, it's cast software. If it works well, I'll send a link somewhere so you all can see it. It's actually a recommendation from Allie after the last cast. So thanks for shouting that one out, Allie. So far, so You're good. You're welcome, Dan. Um, <laughs> but uh, if you... <laughs> I want that on a t-shirt. Oh, oh no. We're not all going to talk like Mickey Mouse, are we? <gasps> no. God, on today's no. episode. Please, God, no. <laughs> Copyright infringement. On, on today's episode we'll of the Spoiler Cast, today's huh. episode is going to be about. <laughs> We're going to talk about the outer world, huh? Uh, all right. Uh, on to, if you couldn't tell the from game Tristan's that intro, wish they had made. Yes, if you couldn't tell from Tristan's intro, today's game is the uh, the outer worlds. I almost said the Spoiler Cast. Uh, today's game is the outer worlds. Um, we actually what kind I think, of game threatened the to do this one last be? time. Um, I don't know. Should we pr- maybe tell people about the spoiler cast if it's their first time? Nah, who needs it? Um, the spoiler cast is your okay. look at what we've been playing, <laughs> um, some gaming news, and then at the end of the episode, the end of the, the episode, end of the episode, we spoil a game. Uh, today's game is the Outer Worlds, as we just noted. Uh, so basically, at the end of this episode, we're going to be just Spoiling the crap out of the Outer Worlds. We've all finished it. Whoa. Yeah, that's yeah. highly impressive. Um, For episode 69, so, is this is this a first that we've all finished a, a... Like, four of us have finished the same game and are ready to talk about it? It's a Christmas miracle! It, yeah. it might very well be. I, I think so. I mean, yeah. oftentimes I don't finish games that you guys... Yeah. That we all do, um... Did we all finish Wolfenstein? No. Didn't. Mm-mm. Not everybody finished no. um, uh, the no. that that awful um, uh, the game where it was playing off of far right stuff, but being bad. Um, oh, Far, far Cry. Cry. The yeah. latest oh, far, far Cry. Cry. I was the only one who yeah. finished it, and I was More awarded like to y'all. Cry. Don't fucking waste time with this damn game. Yes. It's not worth um, it, folks. This is the first one we've all played. Tristan, it's hard to finished. be a white man in America. <laughs> oh god um, I yes, will also Tristan? call out the fact that the only reason we have all finished this game is because I have literally just come off of an all nighter to cram it out um, so please bear with me if I devolve into an incoherent mess Earlier than normal, as the uh, <laughs> caffeine crash and sleep dep- deprivation take hold. Tristan, we wouldn't expect anything less. Okay, so that's your. As, as long would you as say I, that's your flaw. As long as I at least meet your expectations. So caffeine Baby, crash. You meet my expectations your... every day. I I got a, I I don't know I may have reached the max of flaws in my playthrough. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely, definitely did. did. I had four. Yeah, 
so I'm a coward and I didn't take any because I'm a so coward. Why don't, why don't we why don't we like quickly cover um what we've been playing? We, we won't we won't spend too much time on it. Um and then we can jump ahead. Is that cool? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. Um so We'll start with, uh, I guess, what we've been playing a little bit, and I think I did you last last time, Tristan. So let's. I could be wrong though. So let's start with you first, anyway, Tristan. What have you been playing? Okay, so apart from Outer Worlds, um, I took this last opportunity, to, um, or last month's opportunity, to get Neo as part of uh, PlayStation Plus, and. What I have found thus far is that Neo is kind of what I wanted Sekiro to be, albeit with a weird uh, MMO Diablo-style loot system, which I find kind of bizarre. Uh, um, but it, it's got that sort of fast-paced, high-risk, high-reward, and emphasis on dodging and managing your stamina that was present in Bloodborne. So it's it's um, funny you, you bring that up. I was just thinking about the, it's the end of the year and it's hard to believe that Sekiro came out earlier this year. It feels like this year has gone on for a thousand years. Um, but <laughs> uh, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying Neo. Uh, I've always been interested to try it out, but I've never been huge on the Dark Souls style games. So... Um, I, I watched a, a video recently with this guy who does these in, those one of those in-depth game reviewers on YouTube. And he brought up that um, the difference between something like a Dark Souls and a Neo is that Dark Souls is very gameplay simple, like system simple, but allows you to... Um, kind of like the world itself and the challenges that are provided are what gets complex where something like a neo the game itself is pretty simple but the amount of systems in the game are complex tristan does that make sense and is that your experience with neo thus far yeah that makes sense um because there are multiple different weapon types each of which have different unique characteristics but you've also got three stances for each one, high, mid, mid, and low. And different stances you can learn different moves for and operate differently. And if you get really good, you can switch stance mid-combo, which I haven't gotten the hang of yet. Um, so, yeah, Neo is very mechanic-heavy. Um, most of the situations are, at least thus far, yeah, fairly straightforward. Um... I mean, I wouldn't say they're... I wouldn't say that the situations it drops you into are less involved than Dark Souls. Like, the running around, like, okay, here's a thing I've encountered. Here's the situation of it. Like, that stuff is still fairly on par. I have not seen a lot of bosses yet. Uh, because the very first boss is kind of a bitch he has these two huge basically wrecking balls on chains and he's a giant ogre guy and you fight him in a very small enclosed space yeah 
Um, that sounds pretty brutal. It's it's kind of brutal. Um, but from what I've played thus far, it feels very much on par with a Dark Souls game, though it is broken up into discrete chapters and discrete areas, rather than being one just huge sprawling world. Great. Um, have you been playing anything else at all, or is that kind of the one thing you've been playing that isn't the Outer Worlds? That, that's kind of the one thing I've been playing that hasn't been out of Outer Worlds. Gotcha. Um, all right. Allie, as I come to understand it, you've been playing something else that isn't the Outer Worlds? <laughs> I've been playing so much Pokemon. <laughs> so much Pokemon. Literally spent all day yesterday shiny hunting for one Pokemon, and I got it, and I was so happy that I started screaming and flailing, <laughs> and I scared my cat, but it's okay, because now I have my shiny red panda Pokemon. So I have so a cute. question then. Is yes. this hunting your destiny? I think so, yeah. And is the red panda Pokemon, the shiny one, your new best friend? It is my new best friend. Her name is Paprika, and she's a spicy girl. Wow. And will the two of you promise to defend this world against all threats? Yes. Awesome. <laughs> Brilliant. I'm like kind of half considering doing competitive just because I have that, even though her stats are actually kind of garbage. The thing that... There's competitive in this this thing? I, so I, I'm actually there not is. familiar much oh, with yeah. the new Pokemon there is, game. There is always competitive Pokemon. Always. Always. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah. Huh. And I would like to do... I, I have a feeling that a spoiler cast on Pokemon is in our near-ish future. I, I would be almost certain... Um, the reason why I'm saying this is, like, the last Pokemon game I played was probably, like, yellow or red and blue. Like, I I mean, I, maybe, I played a little bit of, like, one of the sequel ones, but I'll be perfectly honest. I I just, if I, I pretty much just accept the original Pokedex as canon. Uh, I, it's hard for me to really care about the other ones, even though I know I should, etc., etc. So okay, you're an Grandpa. Old Testament... So you're an Old Testament enthusiast and not a New Testament enthusiast. <laughs> yes, yes. The last revelation was Mew. There were no, there are no others. You can get Mew in this game. It costs like $60. What? You have to pay for Mew? Uh, yeah, they added this thing with Pokemon Let's Go, Pikachu, and Eevee where you get the Pokeball Plus, which is a thing you can put your Pokemon inside and walk around with them. It's like the Pokewalker that came out in like 2010 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Whenever Platinum came out, I think. And um, and so you just stick your Pokemon inside it and it hangs out with you while you walk around. And there's a Pokewalker you can buy that's expensive because it has a Mew inside it. And I'm salty because... Did I check the Cyber Monday sale? No, I didn't. But they were selling it for $20. I could have bought Mew for $20 as opposed to like $60. I'm very because, upset. Well, to be honest because you weren't expecting microtransactions in this pokemon game i mean there aren't i don't know where you're getting that information Uh, because i just heard spending 60 bucks to get mew 
I mean, it's not in the game. It's like a physical object you get. But yeah, it is dumb. But it's there are no microtransactions. Oh, okay, yeah, that was confusing me. So essentially, you like buy a physical toy, and then you could that physical toy allows you to get a Mew. Yeah, I mean, Pokemon has done dumb gimmicks like this before, but it's strictly speaking not a microtransaction. It's dumb. I don't think I should have to spend you know forty to sixty dollars for a Mew. But whatever. I have my shiny beware, so it's okay. I mean, honest, to be perfectly honest, like I think if you're also getting a physical object with the additional digital content, at least for me, and maybe this is just because I'm very much a physical media guy, that makes it a lot that that makes it a lot more palatable, if you will. Yeah, there's like a, you know, a nice little benefit to the Poke uh, Pokéball Plus cuz you can do it with Pokémon from uh, Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, I believe Pokemon Go, and I think also from Sword and Shield. I'd have to double check that, though. It's not really, like, a thing for me, mostly because I know if I walk around with that at work, somebody at work is gonna be like, Why do you have a toy? Can I play with it? I'm like, no. It's mine. Why are you not supposed to bring toys to work? Well, it's mine. <laughs> uh, uh, did, Dan, did you want to put, say something? Yeah, um, I was just gonna say I've been playing this a lot too. Um, I enough to beat the game, so yeah, Ali, I agree. We should probably do a cast on this at some point. Yay! Um, uh, and I, I even got the legendary. Um, that's 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 the extent of which I beat it. Like I, I haven't done a lot of the end game or post game stuff, but I did the I got the legendary Pokemon, the two legendaries. But um, you got the box art. Yes, I got the box art basically. So uh. I will say I know there's a lot of controversy with this game, and I get it. Like the the reality is that I haven't personally played a Pokemon in a little while. Like I think the last one I played was like when did uh, X come out? X and uh, Y. Oh God, a while ago, but that was two gens ago now. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So that's that's how long it's been since I, I I picked one up and played it. This is the first one I've played through in a long, long time. I had a lot of fun with it, and um, I thought that there was still a ton of Pokemon in it, like more than I could handle. <laughs> um, but uh, there are definitely some weird stuff. There's some weird things in the game that are archaic, which is it's like it's like kind of backwards in a lot of ways. Like the big one to me, I think, was like just the way the box management happens is like just dreadful but yeah pokemon nintendo and i think i've said this before nintendo is always two steps forward one step back with a lot of stuff oh yeah i think we can all agree on that yeah uh but the but the game itself overall is a ton of ton of fun it's a beautiful game but we're not here to talk about that game where although there are some very fun uh anti-corporate messages in pokemon as well because video games are political. I'm sorry, gamer gamers. Rise up. Games are politics. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, that that was always an absurd argument in that like, oh, because like nearly every bit of if there's a narrative, there is a put there's a political point of view to it. What do you mean media isn't created in a vacuum? Uh so what, one thing, though, I would want to say is that, like, the main controversy that I've heard about this game is that it doesn't have all the 900 Pokemon. But clearly, I'm wrong. It doesn't have more than 300, which is about, like, twice the original Pokedex. 400. There are 400. 
Well, yeah, that's it's an absurd amount of Pokemon. And, I mean, I get that sometimes your faves aren't going to be there. And I also get that there are some other features that other that people would have preserved or preferred to, like, be more, uh, what's his face, uh, filled out. I mean, I think I heard that the camping feature, there could be more stuff there and that there could be better animation on the bike and there's no flying animation. Like, there's... There's a I, I've heard the, that there are that it is not necessarily the most comprehensive games, but it sounds like it's a lot of fun. And the main reason why you play Pokemon is to go and catch Pokemon in battle. And it sounds like there is it's not like they gave you fifty and then you have to pay fifty bucks to get another hundred. Oh god, that'd be scary. No, but I mean, like the Pokemon company could release a piece of trash like that, and it probably would still sell incredibly well. Right. Uh, uh, so so Barra, so really quick. What you're talking about is commonly referred to as Dexit. Uh, a lot of the big complaints are that uh, from people are that not only are some of their favorites not in it, but some of these people have also been paying for stuff like Pokemon Bank, specifically for the ability to bring their Pokemon over. If those Pokemon are not in Sword and Shield, you cannot bring them over. Uh, Sword and Shield has also removed certain abilities, like certain moves are not in Sword and Shield. And if you try and bring in a Pokemon that has that move, it has to forget it. Which in the competitive scene makes certain Pokemon uh, basically pointless. Because of how it removes certain, like, crucial abilities. That's kind of the... From what I've always seen, that's kind of the big complaint there. Is how the lack of it has... Has thrown off or thrown into disarray a lot of competitive players... Uh, team builds. There are other complaints as well, but if you want to look more into that or do more research, you want to look for the term Dexit, is what it's commonly referred to online. No, and I mean, I, I guess I see that, like, if I care, if I, I mean, A, I wasn't necessarily, did actually know there was a competitive Pokemon seed that might make me seem incredibly silly right now, but it's just like, I did it, I've always just associated Pokemon as, like, a beloved casual game. Uh, but, but yeah, if I had a competitive build, I could, that I wanted to then just like jump over to the new game and not grind at all on the new game to start playing competitively in the new game, that probably would get my knickers in a knot to a degree. Yeah. yeah. The, the other, the other big point on this is that this is a game franchise that for, oh my God, has it, is it's more than 20 years now. Uh, when it, it's old, it's like, it's like what? 23 now? Uh, 1996, so 23, yeah. yeah. Yes, 23. Um, so this is a franchise that's been around for 23 years, and from the beginning has emphasized and told us, you gotta catch them all. And with this new game, you cannot catch them all. Additionally, um, this game, this franchise has also been going for 23 years, and in order to drive marketing and, uh sort of fan engagement they've always made a big thing of like investing emo emotionally in having a favorite in having a favorite pokemon there's so many there's a favorite pokemon out there for everyone but what happens now if you've been playing for 23 years and all of a sudden your favorite you can't play with anymore and that a lot of people take that very personally because a lot of them are very invested in like in in their favorite. Like, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Sword and Shield 
didn't have Pikachu in it. Yeah, so I think for me, the big thing is that all my favorites are in the game. <laughs> right, so you lucked out. So you lucked out. <laughs> because like, I am a, I am like a Gen 1, Gen 2, you know, apologist. So like for me, it's like the, my two favorite Pokemon are like two of the obvious ones in Umbreon and Charmeleon. So basically, like I'm always going to be taken care of. So I, you're right, I... I am a biased source in that way, and I can totally appreciate and understand that if your favorite Pokemon was something else that's not in this game, that you'd be pretty upset, too, right. especially it, considering the move it made. Now it's like a, a home console thing. Mm-hmm. So wait, does, does, are you saying that when you uh, that when you evolve into Charmeleon, you don't evolve to Charizard? Uh, you do, but Charmeleon is just, my, I just one of my favorites, that's all. He's a pretty cool lizard boy. But you don't stop the evolving and just keep it as a powered-up Charmeleon. You, oh, you could. No. I am I am sad that Bulbasaur and Psyduck both got shafted, but Meowth has a new form, and he's got a Viking beard, and he's great. Wait, there's no Bulbasaur in this game? Mm-mm. There's no. not. See, that's the thing, yeah. But of, course, but of course Charizard made it in. Yeah, but I'm I'm just uh, shocked that like the core three from the original game just aren't auto includes. Nope. Nope. Hey, I'm gonna break the podcasting fourth wall for a second and just <laughs> say that raise your hand button is like this breathtaking and amazing and life changing feature. Anyway, <laughs> every, except everyone... we can't seem to turn it off. What's that? Uh, all three of you seem to have your hands still raised for me. You have to click on the other person. Oh, you person. have to click on the, the, the person. Yeah, sorry. Oh. Yeah. Um, we're just perpetually raising our hands, Tristan. Deal with it. No, uh, okay. My okay. arm's getting tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyways. Anyways, this is supposed to be a spoiler cast about the Outer Worlds. Yes. Good, so good let's call. Try and- I do, sorry. I do want to get this trolley back off it, back onto its track a little yes, bit. Yes, thank you. And I, I do want to quickly say, um, we did cover Ali and Tristan. Barra, is there anything else that you were playing besides Outer Worlds? Honestly, I've just been playing the Outer Worlds. But um, yeah. as we're going to get into it in the cast, uh, the game is great. And uh, I finished it, but I'm pro- before... Uh, well, actually, there's another thing I want to tell you. But, uh, but I'm probably also going to be... Doing there's doing some replaying of it as well too, um, which is unusual awesome. for me for a game. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. I do want to quickly cover a couple games I've been playing through that we didn't. Oh, oh there is one more thing though. Um, oh, th- it's not Outer Worlds thing, which is that. Uh, so to get the Outer Worlds, I got the Xbox Game Pass. Ooh, and so that's definitely going to allow me to play a lot more games. And it's funny, one of the games that I didn't play that I really wanted to play was Dishonored Two, and turns out that's on the Game Pass. So I haven't started fully exploring it as much because as we've all lamented and said, it's it's difficult to game as much when you have like a job and like a several jobs and other things as well. But, um, you know, and I think that that's one of the reasons why we as 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 a cast don't necessarily always give as much games. But I'm excited that I have like just now the option to just go and explore games that I've really wanted to play. Um, and uh, for just like what seems to be a pretty reasonable price, I mean, like ten bucks a month. Like, if once I play this and Dishonored and maybe one other game, then like, yeah, I've I've already basically um, uh, I've, I've I've paid the money that I needed to. 
yeah the the prospect of xbox game pass like excites me but i also think i would treat it like a netflix if i had it like i would just never play anything on it and just be like channel surfing the whole time i think my my big problem with the gaming thing isn't setting aside time like for me gaming is what i do when i want to unwind but i what i i the other problem though is that i look at gaming as my part of my retail therapy so like i'll just go buy like a $10 game here and there. Like, over Black Friday, I bought, like, three games on the Switch, right, that were all fairly inexpensive. But now those are just three more pieces of noise that are going to prevent me from finishing something, um, which is why I'm glad that I finished The Outer Worlds. Um, just quickly, a couple games that I played through um, before we get into The Outer Worlds or news or whatever we want to do um, is uh, I tried the game Kentucky Route Zero, which is a game that a lot of people talk about. Um... I think at this point it's safe for me to say that I'm just these like narrative driven game experiences, whether they be Night in the Woods, this, Oxen Free. I've tried a bunch of them. These games just aren't for me, and I'm just gonna stop playing them. <laughs> Dan, are you not in touch with your feelings? Yeah, it's just <laughs> I, I just think I, I just think for me, like games are like an example of an amazing game to me is something like a Super Meat Boy, which is just like a straight up game. Like um, and I just think that for me personally, those types of games just aren't my bag. I'll get those experiences elsewhere. Um, and I think everybody's entitled to their opinion on it, obviously, and people can like what they like. I just think for me, not my bag. And I'm just going to not play those games anymore because they're just not for me. <laughs> More sad SJW feelings games for me than yay. <laughs> I did. Oh, tangentially related. Yeah. I've also played the uh, Binding of Isaac card game recently. Oh yeah, that was really good. Oh, thanks. I, I'll add it to my Christmas wish list because I'm I'm looking for those kind of like weird games. It's um, really fun. I've never fun. played the Binding of Isaac, but whenever I hang out at Tristan's Tristan's house, I just like constantly refer to it when I see his cat Isaac because it's just like, oh, Isaac, yeah. and then this is in the back of my brain. So maybe I'll be horrified alone. after I play the Binding of Isaac. <laughs> Um, and then the other thing that I, I'll, I'm not, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole too much. I'm just going to note that I've started Death Stranding. Amazon mm-hmm. Simulator. Yeah, it's. Uh, uh, Which button is the I have to go pee button? I don't remember. I haven't peed yet. Uh, <laughs> out in the wild. Um, the, yeah, I, I, I think I bought that game more in support of Hideo Kojima's wackiness, although. After I did that, then I started like you know really looking into this man and his quote unquote art, and I'm a little bit more uncomfortable about it now. Uh, but the um, yeah, I just he's he does some weird things, some uncomfortable things, I guess, in a lot of his games. Hideo uh, Kojima does not have issues about women. I don't know why you're saying this. <laughs> there is no reason why he would name a female character fragile. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I love I love Metal Gear and many Kojima things, but Batman has a uncomfy relationship with women yeah exactly yeah. that's what i was she's naked for a reason yeah that's what i that's where that's what i was darting around um well don't worry i'll be here to scream about that for yeah. you <laughs> but it's uh it's just it's just so wacky i just I, I do just enjoy seeing the wackiness of it all i think the beginning of the game is actually really good um in epic uh but now i'm starting to get into the actual game and it's starting to get a little funky but i'll keep you all updated on that one as i go i guess from what Um, i have heard on the reviewers i trust is that the beginning of the game 
is the hardest part to get through. Yeah. But then once you get through it, you will appreciate the middle and end parts that much more. Got it. Cool. Well, I'll I'll keep it up and I'll let you guys know how it how it goes. Fingers um, trust. Is, is it beautiful to see Norman Reedus's face continuously at least? Ah. Eh. <laughs> It's just really weird. Uh, it's a strange game. Uh, Guillermo del Toro is a, is a character in the game, and that's also extraordinarily weird. That's incredibly <laughs> weird. It's uh, Kojima and his friends, the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, basically. Um, it's just a very strange thing. Uh, wow. I'm not just, like, picturing Norman Reedus, Hideo Kojima, and Guillermo del Toro, like, hanging out at Guillermo del Toro's, like, monster memorabilia house and shooting the shit yeah oh no they they totally hang out <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah. i'm just i'd love to be a fly on the wall there well you might get your wish in the future bear because it sounds like there are rumblings that hideo kojima's next game is probably going to be a horror game Ooh. and i wouldn't be shocked if he's working with guillermo and crew on that one too but anyway yeah. i don't want to I feel bad about bringing it up in the first place, and we should just move on. <laughs> oh, you can do no wrong, Dan Sarzicki. You take those bad feelings back and squish them inside you. Conceal, right. don't feel, as Elsa's mom said. And nothing bad happened about that. Very good. Very good. Uh, do we want to um, talk about news, or do we want to just move to the game? I mean, it's kind of weird, because there hasn't been any big news recently. Like, I was sure we were going to get another Fallout 76 fiasco I actually, last cast. I actually disagree. Um, I think there was some pretty interesting news recently, um, which is the whole Riot stuff in their settlement. Um, I don't know if you guys have followed that much, but... Oh, oh the Riot Games. Right, 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 right. Um, I think that was the biggest thing... Um, recently we don't have to talk about it if we don't want to i'm just i'm just thinking about recent news that just popped into my head and that was the one that was at top of mind but we can we don't have to talk about anything if we just want to move to the game i just want to talk about video games all right very good no politics here in this game about capitalism and how it's bad yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, wow yeah but anyway i i really want to meet a person who looks at the outer worlds and says there's no politics in this game yeah. or gets mad that there's politics in this game yeah. and it's like look what around you, you. On? <laughs> you'll definitely yeah. get the latter i think um i i find it hard to see how you would get the former the game is the game is very much has a lot of satire in it and a lot of pretty biting commentary it's uh it's good. It's I re- I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know necessarily how we want to go in terms of like order and such, but uh, well, and well. what parts we want to talk about. But uh, but yeah, it's a lot of lot of politics in it, which is one of the things I enjoyed about it. And I I've always come from the mind of like I think there's politics in everything, and I think you can't separate politics from anything, and you know even in journalism, like there's always going to be some amount of bias. As as minimal as it is, I mean, Barry, you could, you're the expert. Feel free to slap me in the face, but that's that's just how I feel. No, the the fact of the matter is, is that when you know, so I am a newspaper reporter and I work for 
a uh, like a straight news soap news paper, uh, and by that I mean it's you know we try to deliver in the traditional vein of American objective journalism. But the thing is, is that that is an art form in and of itself, and you also and you know the people who are exercising that are still going to have opinions and thoughts about something. You still try you that doesn't mean you still don't try to be fair. Doesn't mean you you don't make sure that the people you're reporting about you get many different viewpoints, many different points of views. Um, but essentially, you know, the the bias as much as you try to control for it, biases of people and institutions are always going to be there, even in a in a form or with an institution that tries to control for that. So, I mean, that's it, and yeah, and when it comes to art. Art is very much, in my opinion at least, about showing a, narr a narrative or evoking an emotional experience, and that's going to come from a point of view. Um, I mean, you know, something that's, for me, like, you know, for instance, uh, something that, like, really kind of, like, triggers me and such is, is that, you know, I, any media where, like, kids get harmed is just something that, like, really horrifies me. Now, I'll still watch that and stuff, but, like, if you really, like, if you show me something where kids are getting harmed... I'm going to get more incredibly horrified and upset. And that's not necessarily a unique response, but I think that there's some people who would be less upset and some people would be even more upset. For instance, in like, you know, the, the Game of Thrones, one of the Game of Thrones episodes where like a kid gets harmed in an egregious and awful way. And I was just like, yeah, not, not having any of this, if that makes sense. Pro yep. tip, there are no children in Halcyon. Yeah. At all. <laughs> I didn't actually notice that. <laughs> now that you mentioned it, that explains why you got through it, Barra. So why don't Barra? Why don't, why don't <laughs> what, what? Why don't you kick us off then, Barra, in your wonderful childless experience with the Outer Worlds? Child, Halcyon, a child-free colony. <laughs> Dinks everywhere. Dinks as far as the eye could see. <laughs> uh, so uh, I will, I'll try to be brief because I want to hear from, because uh, I already went off on the thing. I want to hear from other folks too. But The Outer Worlds essentially is a game where the premise is, is that there is a, uh, a, a system around a star which has been settled by a group by a number of corporations and colonists who wanted to go there basically sign themselves up for indentured servitude and the game starts out where one of those ships colony ships got jumped out of hyperspace early on and because of that it reached though it reached the the system a lot later and most of its colonists were frozen longer 
than you normally can safely revive someone. And because of, uh, and because of that, and also because of financial issues and such, um, at least from as far as I know, one of the interesting things about the game is you do get to figure out, you know, like the truth of different narratives that you're hearing is, is that the corporate board that oversees the system just left these people out in space. And, uh, and then what happens in the beginning is there's this guy, um, Wells, who's this eccentric, mad scientist, freedom fighter dude who goes gets to you is able to revive you out of cold stasis but he could only do it to you and then he says okay it's time for you to go out and uh get me the material so we can revive the rest of the colonists and they can because they're so bright and smart they can then solve the problems in this terribly mismanaged colony and the colony is run by again these these corporations which are very hyper capitalistic which, you know, if you're employed by them, you have to, like, say the slogan when you meet people. There's a lot of corporate espionage going on. There's people, a number of people who essentially their whole identity is uh, is woven up with these things. Things like weekends and breaks are not really known for many of the corpse. It's, a, it's definitely a biting satire of capitalism, but it's also done in this Fallout-style RPG, which is, uh, which is a lot of fun. And the combat, the combat is good. The story is good. There is a number of things where I think it does, the do things better and something's worse. But um, I'd like to hear initial impressions from uh, from from other people before I, I go into my thoughts on that. Uh, I guess I'll go next if that's okay. That's okay. Um, the thing that I love for, about this game from the get go, other than the stuff you've brought up Barra is it makes me laugh like playing this game I just have so much fun like even like right from the beginning I'm laughing hysterically when Phineas is like okay I'm gonna send you down to this planet now in an escape pod I've got a guy waiting for you down there and you land on top of him and squish him like just right from the get-go I'm just cracking cracking up about so many different things in this game it has such a delightful sense of humor that I absolutely love that I haven't seen in a game in a while uh, one of the things I want to bring up want to bring up is I really like that this game early on lets you sort of establish your own backstory and character motivations and lets you run with those um, like one of the first things you do is as you're building your character you get a final like one final choice of what was your job before you got frozen, basically. And some of them are kind of hilarious. Like you worked retail, so you have like plus one like persuasion because you've had to deal with customers in that situation all day. Or you were an elevator repairman, the best and brightest elevator repairman. So here's a plus one to engineering. Um, the other thing I really like that does part of that too, so it lets you build your character, design your, your face and your back and what job you had. Uh, but one of the first, one of the, uh, first conversations you have, it's, I forget who it is, but a character asks you like, why are you so focused on the hope and, and freeing these 
bring these colonists and there's a bunch of answers and the one I picked and my favorite one is I have family on board the hope yeah um piggybacking off that I I think that's maybe a, a good place to start is that this game more than most RPGs maybe and I, I don't have a lot of experience with these like game-based RPGs, but Tristan, you and I, I don't know if it's a secret to everyone, but you and I are in a D&D group together, and I think that this game, more than any game I've played, at least in recent memory, really allows you to embrace that you know character-building thing, mm-hmm. where you can really tell your own story, and it starts right at the beginning with some of the conversations you just mentioned, but also I think the way that they let you build your character is really smart in a couple of ways, and I'll be quick, and then I'll let everyone else share their thoughts, but I really liked two systems in this game. The first was the way that they allow you to, the way that you level up your abilities is that there are sections, basically there, the skills that you get, you know, you, you can pick base skills that you want to higher than others or lower than others to reflect your character. So if you want to make a really smart character who's kind of weak, maybe really good at talking, you can do that. Um, and it kind of impacts the game. But also like when you, are leveling up your character, you can, um, you know, it starts where you have these groups of skills that you level up together that are kind of related. And then after you get to, I think, 50 points in that group, it splits off and you have to start leveling up those things individually. And I think that's a really, really smart way to do things. And that may not be new, but to me it was, and it was really exciting. Um, So that's one thing. The other thing was the well. You know what? Let's start with that, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get into the flaw system later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I really loved how that leveling system worked because there wasn't any point in the game where I felt like I was being shoehorned into playing a particular kind of character, but it wasn't letting me go willy nilly where I felt like my character was just stretched thin mm-hmm. and wasn't really cohesive. It's been a long time, I think, since a lot of people have played an RPG like this. That's just so dense and packed full of ways to really make yourself something individual that's yours right and it it also it makes it very very hard to make a character who can't get things done because of because of how it sort of brings you to a solid baseline um by my last few levels i was kind of like i don't really know what i should put these points into because i've got all of my like important skills up to like at least the 70s with uh like buffs and party members and 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 um and i do also like that uh not only can you use your skills for things like in dialogue trees and hacking and what have you but you can also use your stats like, you get prompts for intelligence or perception or temperament or what have you. If you are strong in that section. Or if you are an idiot, you get, like, dumb dialogue options. For for being dumb. Which I actually really like. I, like, I had a high perception character. And so I had these options where, like, where my character was like, Oh, I picked up on something. Or I saw a little further into this, and I was like, like there were a lot of them that were kind of like, okay, tell me what's really going on with this, like Ellie, come on, 
quit bullshitting me. Something deeper is going on. So I, I want to go around the horn with two questions that aren't exactly related, but semi-related, and I'll get started as an example. But um, the first question is, what kind of character did you play? And then the follow-up question is, did you find the game hard enough? Um, so in my in my playthrough, I played as a, you know, this is going to surprise a lot of people, I played as like a Han Solo type character. Um, <laughs> so I was really good at engineering, um, I think medical and also like guns. Like I was a gunslinger. So my my talking wasn't as strong as other things and et cetera. And, and I think I found that the game, and I played on hard, and I found that the game was a little too easy, especially like a third of the way through all the way to the end. The, the very end was a little trickier, but um, I found the game a little easy. Uh, what did, uh, let's just go around the horn. I'm just going to go down the line I have here in uh, this program. So let's start with Barrow. What kind of character did you play? Explain it, and then what was the difficulty? I, it was difficult for me at first. I thought I had switched the difficulty to normal in order to get through the first part, but... Apparently, once things started to get easier, I tried to switch it to hard, and I was like, oh, I've, all re- I've been playing this game at hard. Uh, at first, the game was... So the type of character I played, and it's also like the way... I also approached it the way I approach playing Fallout games, whereas that I approach it like I'm role-playing something, so I like to make sure if I've read something and then died that I read it again, that I... That, I had this thing where I was like, okay, it would be a lot easier for me to just ramb- randomly ambush the Marauders, but I'm new in this world, and so I'm just going to like not actually shoot at humans unless they unless they like draw on me first. So that made the that definitely increased the difficulty level for some things. Uh, I think it would have been nearly impossible on Monarch if I did that thing for let's say. Um, uh, the uh, the mantisaurs and mantequins, but by the time I had essentially learned to level up my armor and got some of the ultra assault right and got it leveled up by uh, by got by guns, like when the game stopped being particularly challenging combat ways after man- at when I was able to kill mantequins, but before that I essentially was just running from them. Like I had to get to that tower by just like running by mantequins. Uh, that's because I just like I couldn't figure out how to beat them. Uh, so the and yeah, the character I played was heavy, heavy speech skills, heavy gun stuff, and so I and so I was able to talk my way through a lot of conflicts, and I was pretty good at combat. Uh, the other thing was is that I did find though as I was going on that I began to invest in things like medical or sneak, or, uh, or lockpicking in order to begin to unlock different ways of approaching the game or solving the problems, which I felt which I felt were cool, which I felt was like kind of a cool and rewarding dynamic. But we can get into that a little later. Nice. Allie? So I played, um, I typically don't do a lot of speech-based char- sorry, characters in these kinds of games, so I went like speech-heavy, specifically um, charm and lying i put like some into intimidate but i really dove hard into charm and lying to the point where a lot of like things that most people would solve through combat i just talked my way through like the last part of the game i just talked my way through to the ending lied about pretty much everything (laughs) to everyone um 
And in terms of weapons, I focus more on, not on like heavy weapons, so lots of like uh, revolvery type guns and shotguns, things like that. Um, and I did some medical, but I think I had more stuff in engineering. I tried for a while doing sneak, but then just like dumped a bunch of points into lockpick. And it's been, it was really fun going through the game because at the same time, my fiance was playing through it and he also went really heavy on speech stuff, like way before me actually. But then like he would go about entering certain areas or completing quests differently for me because a lot of things that I could lockpick or hack, he couldn't. So it was like, I, there was a particular room he was trying to get into. I'm like, did you try going that way? He goes, oh no, I didn't even know you could go that way. I'm like, ah, that's because I lockpicked it. Like, it's really interesting to see just how differently two people can play this game. So I kind of, I guess you could kind of say I went with a really dumb, not dumb, but like a, a loud, a loud thief who, when they get caught, lies about everything. Like any quest that involved going through an area with a disguise, I'd get caught and immediately my response was to lie about who I was. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm new here. I don't have my keep my ID yet. Please let me go through, Mr. Robot. Like stuff like that. Nice. So a loud bumbling thief who is very good at lying. Whereas every time I got caught in those situations, I had to shoot my way out of it because I never had a high enough lie skill for it. Um, cool. Uh, Tristan, what did you? What kind of character did you play this morning? (laughs) So I approached Outer Worlds the same way I approach any Fallout game. Uh, at least the first time through. So, my char- I play smart and dexterous, and I do an initial heavy push for guns, lockpicking, and hacking right off the bat because I can't stand it in these games when I come to a door or a chest that I can't open. Mm-hmm. It makes me... I'm just like, but I need. I may not come back here, because it's such a trudge, and I need to know what's in there! Um, I almost never do melee, because that's what shotguns are for. Why would I hit someone with a sword when I can switch to my sh- belty shotgun and turn them into a pile of goo? So, make it close. so then, Tristan, were you able to get through that last door at the end of the game? Oh, yeah. Cool. Oh, yeah. Easy peasy. Nice. Um, um, so uh, my, my character my character was built out so well, uh, I skipped the hope myself. Oh, nice. I was like, no, no, Ada. Don't worry. I got this. And nailed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I w- my character was smart enough and sciencey enough by the end of the game. See, I tried to do that, and then Ada was like, ah, don't do that. And we're like, okay, I'll let you do it, Ada. And so, I, uh, I had the option of doing it myself the, uh, at that point. Did you know that the speedrun for that game involves doing... And going back to what Trista was saying about you know having options for if your character is smart or dumb. If your character is dumb enough, Ada will let you... Skip the hope, and you skip it like into us into the sun. Yep. And the game is over. And there's an achievement for doing so. If your character is dumb enough, Ada yes. will let yes. you kill yourself. Yes. yes. Yep. 
And that's yep. the speed run for the game. It's twelve minutes. Wow. <laughs> Wait, how does uh, how do you how do you get onto the hope in in that that in that fast a time? Uh, oh right, you go you, you you run back, then you just like fly, you fly off. Right, you fly. I know it involves lab. turning Phineas in at the groundbreaker. Yeah. Um. Basically, basically, you turn Phineas in. You go to his lab. You grab the key. You go to the hope. You dash through the hope, and then zap it into the sun. Um, I, I basically, yep. So I basically completely ignored uh, melee, defensive skills, and the uh, leadership skills to a point. I got enough so I could, you know, heal my companions, um, and then focused hard on right and focused hard on everything else, um, especially long guns. Uh, because my usual go-to strategy for these games is, like, muck about, go loud, until, okay, I found the sniper rifle I can put a silencer on, and a six-time scope, and now I'm going to put all this into the tactical time dilation, and, oh look, it's a group of marauders. Enter tactical time dilation. Pop, 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 pop. All in tactical time dilation, because I get to one-shot them with headshots, and every time I kill one, I get more tactical time dilation back. So, in the space of, like, 1.5 seconds, just... Boop! Oh, there was a group of marauders here, and now there's a group of corpses here, and I can merrily go on my way. So, Allie and when, Tristan, what did you all think of the difficulty of the game, though? Uh, so... You go first, put, Trist. Um... I felt it was a little too easy, considering when I got to that last room, I opened the door, turned on tactical time dilation, and you know how they say it's like, you know, the deadliest auto-mechanical ever created? Yep. Somehow, I don't think that deadliest auto-mechanical ever created was created with taking uh, six high-powered corrosive sniper rifle bolts directly to its critical subsystems within a second, as soon as the door opens... And then having someone run around and shoot it in the back with a high-powered corrosive shotgun three times. That fight literally took me five seconds. That, that fight was pretty hard for me. Um, my, the secret that I figured out with, for that was that um, uh, I, had, uh, Par, I had Parvati... And uh, she, I just like you, I and I had the ability, and I just like took a bunch of drugs so she could recharge her ability. And then she was just like Parvati smash, Parvati smash, Parvati smash, and that was eventually um, how I beat it. One other quick tip is as soon as you kill that boss, all of his ads die too. Yeah, I, I thought that I would have to kill the ads ads as well, and so that was actually by by accident. I think that like because that um, I was. I was essentially fighting off the ads as like Parvati and uh, and uh, Felix were like punching the dude, and then they all went down. I was like, "Oh, I guess I guess I won." So I also, didn't fight that I boss. Almost, I also almost never used companion abilities simply because I basically never needed to. Yeah, I I didn't use them until later on, um, and then I didn't. Re but but when I did, I I really liked Parvati's. Um, I also only got four of the companions. Uh, I never found the robot. The robot's on the ship. Oh, I know. Like, literally in my ending, it was like, the Captain Alex Hawthorne did something. It just stayed, and then it's like, it stayed undiscovered in a maintenance closet. 
Oh yeah. no! So this for Sam. So this this is a great segue, I think, to talk about the partners and the companions in the game. Um, and Allie, we haven't heard from you in a few minutes. Uh, what? Let's start with you. Um, what? Who were your favorite companions, or what were your impressions of the companions overall? I would kill a man for Parvati. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, I liked all of them. I feel kind of bad I didn't play around with um, Felix that much. I mostly just took him for his companion quest. Um, Max I used a lot, but it was mostly Parvati and Ellie, and then Nioka swapping her out with Ellie every now and then. Parvati was always with me. She's just amazing, and I liked having a character that gave me lots of engineering buffs. That was very useful for my character I was playing as. Yeah, my my issue with that is that I was an engineering character, but I also wanted Parvati with me at all times. So I was just like really overpowered in engineering and couldn't do much else <laughs> the whole game. But um, Parvati I used a lot. Um, I didn't really use the Vicar. I used uh, Felix actually quite a bit um, just because, and I used the robot a lot, uh, Sam, for a while. I actually never unlocked Ellie. I never found her through the game, so she was just not oh, in no. my party. Yeah. Oh, no. Her companion quest is hilarious. Oh, yeah, nice. it is. Let's commit insurance fraud. Hooray! Yeah! Tr- my tr- parents faked my death, so let's use that to my advantage. <laughs> Fuck you, Boomer. Fuck you, Boomer. Tristan, who, who were your favorite companions, or what was your experience like? So, totally Parvati is my absolute favorite, hands down. Um, I'm going to share a favorite. Sam was great. Uh, I usually kept them on a fairly even rotation because I was made sure to get done every single one of their companion quests. Um, I didn't really like Max, the vicar. Um, I didn't really bring him along much. Uh, Nyoka, I didn't really kind of click with. Um, so it was usually, uh, it was usually Ellie, Parvati, Sam. Uh, though I mainly swapped out Felix for Ellie at the end because of his uh, because of his plus 20% damage to corporate security perk like basically when I got to uh, Byzantium I was like oh okay I think I see where this is going to go now I don't think I'm going to be finding much in the way of beasts anymore so hey Felix buddy And he, he yeah, made... I remember spending a lot of time because I think I actually just spent the majority of my playthrough just messing around on Monarch because in terms of environments, that's the one I like the most. So there's a good like couple of hours where I just played with Parvati and Nioka because of Nioka's buffs. Hey, Barrett, is there? Did you want to talk through the companions at all? Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, role playing wise. Uh, when I talk, I talked with Vicar Max and his quest was like, get this book because it's too dangerous. And, you know, it was also because, and he'd also gone over the whole, um, uh, his whole church's point of view that essentially everything is just like flow, uh, that this essentially is this predetermined. And so we have to figure things out. And I was like, and so I basically made a role playing decision. I was like, you know what? I'm not down with your weird deterministic stuff. And even though I know you want to save this knowledge, um, uh, you think it's too dangerous for people information wants to be free so i just totally like non-power game role play just like i'm not going to have vicar max um 
Parvati is a is wonderful. Um, my first thought when I saw her smash down enemies with her mighty hammer was like, marry me. And then I saw that she was an asexual in love with that ship's captain. So then I was like, daddy's going to make sure you have the best date ever. And then I went all around the system so she could ask the girl out. Hells yes. We support Parvati's <laughs> romantic endeavors. Also, I made sure that she didn't get trashed. I was like, have a beer, then yep. stop drinking. It was great. I was like Same. really effing responsible. You're a good designated driver. I was the best designated driver. Uh, I used, I actually spent a lot of time with Nyoka and Felix because I didn't, I don't, didn't really, I don't think I had Ellie when I was, um, well, I think I may have had Ellie, but um, when I was on that, uh, when I was on Monarch. But uh, I went I went down with Parvati and Felix, and then I sent Parvati back to the ship when I got Nyoka, and then I just, I never left, and then I just, that was my team for the whole Monarch quest line, and I, and yeah, and then later on I got Ellie, and, uh, and I, in terms of quest lines for companions, I competed Felix's and, um, what's it, and, and Parvati's. I was, I'm like literally one thing away for completing Yoka's, but because of like role playing stuff, and I'll get to that, I decided to that I had to rush to, um, to the, uh, to, well, ru rush down to Tartarus to save, uh, to save Phineas once he was, once he was captured. Um, although I made sure that Parvati had her date before that because I'm like, well, if you're gonna die, you're not gonna die single, Parvati. <laughs> Hell yeah. So, so. Bear and Ali, both of you have mentioned that you were playing a lot on Monarch, which I I think is pretty much like one of the, the main the, one of the main really the main hub area. It feels like of the game where a lot of the middle quest lines happen. But a lot has been made of the way that this game is laid out, and that compared to something like a Bethesda, typical Bethesda Fallout or Elder Scrolls game, where there's a massive world to explore, the way that this game works is there are smaller quote-unquote smaller in my opinion but smaller uh planet planet toids that you visit with little designated areas that you can travel through that have their own little towns i'm curious what your thoughts are on the way that this game is structured versus something like a bethesda game which you prefer and why um i'll go first um one of the few complaints i had about this game was the amount of backtracking i ended up doing i don't know if it's maybe just because of the order I was doing for certain quests, but it'd be like, go to Byzantium for this thing, for this person's quest. Ah, now you gotta go to uh, whatever planet this is, and then you gotta backtrack to Byzantium for that, and I don't know, it felt like a lot of unnecessary backtracking, especially because I was playing on consoles, so the load times were ass. But that could have just been how I was playing the game, and my priorities or rather lack of prioritizing things um i did like however overall how it worked just because i love that everything felt very individual and different especially when you get to the later game and explore byzantium it's just so such a stark contrast to everything you've been to before and i really i really loved fucking with the rich people <laughs> <laughs> like that one lady who's like I've heard there's a retirement center downstairs I want to send someone down there to look at it and I lied and told her it was very nice and sent her to her death oh you could do that you could yes. do that oh my gosh yes okay so um 
I am going to. <laughs> oh dear. Um, uh, I I I would like to to just say that 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 side quest was one of the most horrifying and also one of the best side quests that I oh, did. Yeah. Like I so when I saw the retired people, I was thinking, are they killing them? And then when I had the opportunity, when I met the person and she wanted to figure out about the retired people, I was like, okay. And I was like, I, I, are they really killing them? Are they really killing them? And then I was like, oh, wow, they're actually doing it. Then this yeah, is, yeah. and it was spooky and really horrifying. And the fight was difficult for me, even though I had pretty much leveled up my gun skill to max at that point. Uh, I, um, uh, yeah, I think that's, that it would yeah uh, that that was incredibly effective and and yeah no i was i was just i was horrified and then but i just like told told the person the truth and then she was just awful um maybe i should have shot her in the head but i was just shell shocked by that it was like dude um what were some other side quests that people liked all right there's i'm sorry guys i really want to chip in there there's a ton of background noise going on in my house right now you're good um so yes uh the retirement section i was like oh Oh, this is gonna be bad. Oh, this is gonna be bad. Oh, yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Some soiling um, green bullshit. Yep. Um, there was. So I didn't encounter many bugs in my playthrough. I did encounter one game-breaking bug, where two quests failed to initialize properly. One of them was the mainline quest on Monarch. I talked to Nyoka in the bar, and then it didn't update. And I lost about two hours of playthrough. Ooh. And then the other one was the, uh, the, uh, it was from the Groundbreakers, the guy who was stranded on Scylla, who had the medical supplies to get to the Groundbreaker. Yeah. Um, the, he's supposed to be surrounded by pirates. Those pirates never loaded. Oh. So... I looked it up and I was online like, "Is there any way to like kickstart this?" And there, uh, so I was, "Nope, there really isn't." So I had to, and I'm not proud of this. I had to mercy kill the NPC. Um, I was like, "I'm really sorry about this, man, but you're stuck in a loop, and this is the kindest thing I can do to you." And I just, I just one shot him with my sniper rifle from a long ways away, which prompted the quest to go forward because he died so that triggered a new step in it so i was actually able to continue on um oh i i the I, um I, I really liked working with the uh courtier uh the courtier the fashion person in oh, yes. byzantium Oh yeah, I liked her quest line a lot. I liked her a lot. And yeah, that happened. My my experience with the quests in this game overall, main or side, is I don't I'm thinking back on it now and I honestly can't think of one that particularly stood out for me as like this amazing experience, but what I will say is in general I was really really impressed at how even though it is smaller scale than something like a Fallout, it's really to the game's benefit in my mind. The answers or things that you discover on one quest, that more often than not, in my opinion, led to new conversation options or other mm -hmm. 
encounters and other quests. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I was going to mention that too. That was something that I was thought, thought was one of my favorite parts of the game. For example... And, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. For Tony. example, the gold teeth. Yes, which I never found. Yeah. So, so they are brought up in one quest... Mm-hmm. Uh, one side side quest uh, mentioned in another and then if you find them they influence the mainline quest yep and it, it's, it's really cool that once you've read something your character knows about it and can bring it up if it's relevant and they yeah, use I loved, that a um, lot I love that aspect of it a lot I know I think Barry you did the MSI um well, what are those people called? Iconoclast Between quests. the Iconoclasts and MSI, and that was incredibly satisfying. Because I, I, well. I just kind of was going around on Monarch, like, raiding every terminal I could, and then I'm like, oh, this lady from the Iconoclast used to work for Madam Purpleberry Fizz Lady's company or whatever. That's interesting. And then you go to MSI, and he's like, well, if you think you know somebody who's competent who can help me be my guest to tell me i'm like that lady yeah that lady's great and instead of you know killing off one group i got them to work together yeah um when i would i remember so i was just when i was wandering around i found the msi encampment i found the uh the uh the, the military encampment where they're making the goop gun and then when I was talking about MSI, we're like, and then I had the dialogue options like, oh no, I I know the company that's doing illegal work on Monarch. Um, that's <laughs> yeah. it's 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 these dudes. Uh, and similarly, when I was I was trying to, I went to the ter- when I went through the terminals and was trying to to cross the cross the bridge to 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 go and rescue the the two iconoclasts who were pinned down. I ended up just like fighting through a bunch of raiders. And then just by happenstance finding Zora's report, and and yeah that and that also and that also ended up like coming up was like oh okay mm-hmm. so you're putting this forward Zora I'd like to see her evaluation and it's like well here it is I was like oh this yeah. is actually she's she's this is actually pretty great uh, so I, I liked how things uh, um, put together. Yes. So Barra, I'm guessing you killed Graham. I did. I tried to. G- I gave him yeah. a choice to stand down, but he drew on. Oh, fuck Graham. <laughs> Fucking tool. Yeah. Uh, I I tried to make go through and always make the choice of okay, who is the actually competent person here, who's gonna get shit done. Um, I I so I'm gonna butcher this paraphrase, but I read an interview right before the game came out with the developers Obsidian. Um. Where they basically were, somebody asked them, like, just how did you manage to, like, think of everything? And their answer was basically something along the lines of, we didn't. We just knew what people would would react to and pick up on and built those scenarios. And I've got to say, like, for me, it worked. Like, Oh, I love that. Ev- That's awesome. Every, every, it wasn't about every scenario. It was about the ones that people would gravitate to and people would actually think of. And... I found I, I never had a scenario where like every, the problem I have with a lot of the Bethesda games is that there's it's always like kind of me in the background at home 
like jumping up and down like I know the answer to this question I know the answer to this question I know the answer to this question when you're talking to an NPC and I I just want to say this and I can't and I found that in Outer Worlds there was never a situation never for me at least where if I picked mm-hmm. up on something in another conversation I was always always able to talk to the other person about that situation when I wanted yes. to yes yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And to me, like that was that was worth the price of admission in this game alone. Like gameplay, everything else aside, like just that freedom to say, you know, I picked up on this weird thing, and I'll bet this other character would react to it in a certain way, and it always worked, and it was just awesome. Anyway, I'll... no, I mean, right. oh, sorry, go on. Oh. Okay, uh, so big question for you guys: What did you do? With the adjutant. I, she, so when I met with the adjutant, the adjutant told me to kill everyone in Edgewater, to kill everyone in Edgewater. Um, I'd re, I'd route, at this point Edgewater was, was dying because I'd chosen to route the power to the green, greenhouse lady. And then, and I said no. And then she was like, you don't really have a choice. And I was like, and I, I think the dialogue was no really fuck off. And then she drew on me. And I proceeded to butcher her and all of her security. So, I routed the water to... I I routed the power to Edgewater, but convinced the woman from the conservatory to take over Edgewater. And to replace... uh, What's his name? Who was that? Uh, Dobson. I did that too. Yep. Uh, So, for me, as soon as she said, you know, eliminate Edgewater... And that quest popped up. I'm like, well, there's a quest I'm not completing. And just immediately like, yeah, no. No, 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 no. You're a monster. And kablamo. And that's when I started going all combat through the rest of the game. (laughs) Because of how it affected my standing with the board. So... I don't even know what what choice you're talking about, Tristan, with the adjutant. Can you enlighten me? Uh, so the adjutant. All right. So so the adjutant gives you a, ch- a choice first off, of um, sending a transmission from um, Phineas's base to lead them to him. Uh, if you talk with Phineas and tell him, he's like, "No, you should send a signal." But you should send a corrupted one that will throw them off the scent for a while. After you do that, you can go meet her. And and for that moment, if your standing with the board has been negative, it is bumped up to neutral. As kind of, kind of like a ceasefire, so to speak. Because as soon as I sent um, the uh, Earth Chancellor's message... Everyone on the board became immediately hostile to me, and I didn't entirely have to shoot my way out of Byzantium, but let's just say there were a lot more corpses in the street on my way out than on my way in. <laughs> got it, um, got it. So you go to the edge, and the edge is like, basically is, look, we need to get rid of Edgewater. Edgewater is dying. It, it can't be supportive. We drastically need to reduce our population if we're going to have any chance of, you know, not suffering complete systemic collapse. And it's a den full of dissidents, thanks to you. 
Uh, so uh, un- unfortunately at that point, I think I was trying to quote unquote rush through the game a little bit because I knew I was near the end and I wanted to finish it for the cast. But um, I sent the corrupted signal Yep. and I did not visit with the adjutant until the ex- very, very end of the game, in which case she was already hostile. So I just shot her. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think I just walked into the office in Byzantium and just uploaded the the fake signal and then just walked right out, basically. I, I basically walked my way through that entire thing. Yeah, I I kind of reached a similar-ish point to Dan where I basically finished up all the quests I really cared about in Byzantium. I'd gotten that prompt. I'd actually gotten that prompt for the We Need to Kill Edgewater quest, and I was like, no, fuck you, and everybody in the office proceeded to kill me, but I was like, no, you know, I... For some reason, role-playing-wise, I don't think I would go back to her after implanting that, like, false code. I'm just going to not talk to her anymore. So then when I got to the end of the game, and here's the funny thing for me, at least, it never occurred to me. Like, I think, Barra, you had said at one point during, uh, in our text chat, like, oh, like, that boss at the end gave me a hard time. And I'm sitting here going, what boss? I just talk to people. <laughs> like, I fought through some people in the prison, but that's about it. So my end of the game was actually talking to her and basically lying my way through everything, being like, well, like the chairman of the board says you're a stinky doo-doo head and wants you to go away. So I basically forced her into hiding. (laughs) So she's still alive, but living in shame somewhere. You weren't able to, so he, because of that, you didn't get the the, the boss, um, you didn't get the boss robot unleashed on you? Nope. Sweet, shooting her in the he- not shooting her in the bed. The head has benefits, I guess. Well, it was it was pretty great. So, Barra, Dan, what was your experience going through Tartarus like then? Because for me, everyone showed up at the end. Yes, that MSI, was so cool. The iconoclast, they all showed up. Yeah. So, so uh, the people who showed up for me were first the Mardettes. Uh, yep. Then the uh, then the iconoclasts and the cool thing was the two um, uh, the 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 two siblings who you like are pinned down who you save they show up and I thought that yep. that was a great yep they, they show up, up. what's it back what did you say oh yeah uh, so so anyways um uh, they they showed up and then I got MSI which was great as well. I was wondering if there's any other groups that can also show up or showed up in your play besides uh, that. Uh, people from the Groundbreaker. I had people from the Groundbreaker show up. Oh, no, that, that's who I was referring to with, with the Mardettes. Oh, oh, right, the Mardettes, right. Yep. Um, yeah, I'm trying to remember who else can show up. I think that's all of them. I only had the Mardettes because, <clears throat> again, I think at that point I was I didn't do the Iconoclast MSI like quest line with the crash ship uh, after the radio broadcast just because, again, I was going through the game uh, fairly quickly at that point. Um, so all I got was the Mardettes. Mm, yeah, no, that was, it was a, uh, it was pretty cool. Um, I actually was able to sneak through most of it, but then because I wanted to back up my bros, I then proceeded to like, then, okay, now we're shooting people because I, I want the MSI and Mardette people and the uh, Iconoclast not to die. Oh yeah. Yeah, for me this was our, okay, this is our big action sequence where we're rising up against the board, we're gonna storm the prison. It's let's run and gun, let's just go. Let's go. Nice. 
Oh, that is that is awesome. Uh, a favorite side quest of mine was actually the one where you find the cannibals. Uh, I, oh god, those guys! I was pretty sure that this was a cannibal old west cannibal situation. Um, like there is this group of people right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. yeah, they were so friggin' creepy. And I tried to invest, and at that point, I regretted that I didn't have enough stealth stuff skill to be able to pickpocket the key to open the room. But then they attacked me anyways, and then I looked into the room, and yeah. There were I... three different quests in this game that involved cannibalism. Yeah. Because there and... was that quest, the uh, uh, Borst guy. Yep. And then all the stuff on the Hope. Oh, yeah. the, the yeah, the, all, everything on the Hope with the uh, with I loved reading through all those logs. That was really cool and satisfying. It was it was really, really, ugh, for me. Uh, the Boris guy it turns out he isn't actually eating people. Wait, what? He, so he's not actually eating humans. What? Uh, it's it's implied it's very non consensual. Um, Intimate times instead. No. Oh God. I didn't actually. Yeah. I, I never got to the Borst guy. Where Where do you find his quest? Um, he's, he's on Monarch. He's on Monarch. Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I did not. I did. I, that was like maybe the one Monarch quest that I, that I didn't uh, didn't do. Oh, that makes it even worse, Tristan. Oh yeah. God. Well, because when I got to the family, I was like, "You're all." Uh, in my head, I was like, "They're all cannibals, aren't they?" Yeah, like, I, right I, from I, the get-go, you're like, ah, cannibal I, vibes. But I was also like, okay, I also really want this game to prove me wrong, and they're just weird. And then I found found the corpse, and I was like, oh, nope, nope. That's exactly what I thought was, alright, crazy cannibal family's gotta go down. <laughs> Time to meet the rabbits. <laughs> Ooh. The the cannibal family for me, like I you walked in the door and immediately knew something was off, and that was the, where your head goes. I think, mm-hmm. I think I was able to like hack a computer or something upstairs and find out. And basically, I I think I, I basically I, I forget what what exactly happened because it's been a while. But I basically stopped them from doing X, Y, or Z, or did something, and then I just snuck out the back door basically and never talked to them again. <laughs> it, but it's so it's so over the top, like painfully obvious like from the get-go like if you turn around it's like hey wait a minute the front door is locked hey why is this door locked like like if you if you do like every dialogue option and like fully investigate really slowly it's just like they lay it on so thick that's kind of why i was really really hoping that they were playing with me and that it wasn't actually cannibals because it was so obvious yeah there, there's a lot of fun quest stuff like that, like where there's just different ways to approach things. And um, there was another one. I'm thinking of it, I think, because it's like right next door to them. But there was a quest, the, the quest where you have to, I think for the Iconoclast, you have to like pick up supplies. And there's like a mm-hmm. mercenary group right outside. I walked up to the guy and paid him um, the bits to leave. <laughs> and then immediately turned around, looked to my right, and there was just a path you could just sneak through the foliage. <laughs> and I kicked <Yep>. myself. <laughs> It's like I just paid this guy thousands of bullets and I could have just snuck right in. I I proceeded. I I lied and said there was a Manta Queen infestation. I did. Uh, I did as well. <laughs> my so my dialogue was really low, so it was fun to go through the game because usually when I play those games, dialogue is high enough that 
that I can lie my way through something, but my dialogue was so bad for those sorts of things that I never could. So I always had to pay or shoot my way out of something or um, use like other skill checks like engineering or medical or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I, I am excited, actually, given the size of the game and the fact that the game kind of respects your time for completing the quests that um, and completing the game, that I might go back through it as like a, a bad guy or like a talky person. Um, I'm curious, do any of you plan on going back to this again? And what was your new character be? I don't, I don't know if I could go necessarily like a bad guy character, but I feel like I'd want to try more of like a sneaky character just because I kind of started with the sneaky character and then dropped it despite the fact that I had really high lockpicking. Um, I may also try to do more melee stuff, but I just love the way the guns worked in this game. Um, and But I've also considered like maybe doing like a solo playthrough, so like picking up no companions and seeing how I fare through that. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. I was definitely considering doing a just I love capitalism play through. Just be like, I love the board, I love money, I love capitalism. Well, and, and to clarify, like the reason I want to try that line is more just curiosity. I there aren't there's a whole other quest line as i understand it if you side with the board and i i didn't visit entire planets that you can visit so i'm curious to see like what the you know what that looks like more than anything else but well there's only i think one planet you don't actually have to visit and i think that's Scylla. yeah i never visited Scylla. oh that's the other one i was trying to think of there are a couple planets that nobody's been able to visit and i think they're supposed to be like for dlc well, no, a lot of them, if you look at them, like, three of them are, like, gas giants. So there's oh, nowhere okay, to land. okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And, like... You don't want to go to there. Yeah. yeah, and, like, Hephaestus is, like, the only other one that's, like, an actual rock, and it's the one closest to the sun and is uninhabitable. Yeah, I thought it, I thought Hephaestus was a mining... Uh, was, uh, was mining settled. So there's a mining company named after Hephaestus. But I think, but if I recall, the actual planet is like uninhabitable. Yeah, the the game draws a lot of comparisons to Mass Effect, um, mm -hmm. based on the companion quest lines and whatnot. But I think another one is that, like, I, if I remember correctly, in Mass Effect, there's a lot of planets that are just there for world building, but you can't actually visit them. They're just gas giants. Oh, okay, that's still really cool. I like that a lot. Yeah. No, I uh, I, I I really, uh, I yeah, I already I really appreciate that portion of it. Um, yeah, I, if I were to, so for me in the interest of finishing the quest also because, um, I got a little in, a, a little impatient, uh, I ended up doing things, you know, finishing things in a way that I actually want to do, uh, some, uh, well, basically want to go back and I'm going to go back to finish my playthrough, original playthrough exactly how I would want to role-playing wise. And what was is that, like, I wasn't able to successfully sneak to get the uh, uh to get the gas so i eventually just ended sh up shooting my way through but i was just thinking role-playing wise uh i don't necessarily feel like this is something my character would really do into at this point uh, i was able to justify it someone was like yeah no i i think really you want to find another way to get the gas other than just getting through it so i'm going to try to go and figure out how to get a disguise to go down there 
And then in the meantime, I'm then going to then do all the side quests that I didn't do because once I got the gas, then it pretty much went into hyperdrive in the main quest campaign. And I couldn't really justify role-playing-wise going and finding cute little sprats and modeling stuff with the, with the, or even letting Neoka bury her, uh, her, fr- her family when, uh, when the fate of the world was at stake. But uh, I, Parvati still was not going to die single. I was able to do that. Right. Uh, so, Barra, for, so for that section, uh, do the Sprat Finding quest. If you complete that quest, he shows up in the lab, and you can talk to him again, and he gives you a key. Yeah, I was actually thinking that that might be a way to like um, uh, to to gain to gain that access. So, so yeah, so I'm going to do I'm going to do that next. Um, and yeah, in terms of the other place, I don't necessarily know if I'm going to do a board playthrough, although I might. It's just they're so loosome. Uh, but I will going to do like a Samurai Jack playthrough where it's going to be like stealth and melee and uh, just like straight up play and, uh, and ambushing people. I love that. Yeah. And I'm literally going to call myself Samurai Jack. That's going to oh be the character's name. And it's going to be Supernova difficulty. Which, protecting Parvati at any cost, will have a new meaning. Because when she <laughs> yeah. dies, she dies. Yeah, that that piece of it, when I would it would remind me, like, oh, have you tried Supernova? Your companions don't revive. And I was just thinking, like, how can you get through this game <laughs> without your companions getting killed at some point? Yeah. Parvati, like, died constantly in my game for some reason, and I don't know why. All my companions like, died constantly. I, yeah. they, they died a little less after I just, like, started giving them really good armor. Um, yeah. I, that, was, that was helpful. Uh, oh, what was everyone's flaws? Mine were, uh, I had raptophobia. I had the phobia of, of heights because I'd fallen so much. I had uh, acid weakness damage. And I had physical weakness damage. I was a coward and took no flaws. <laughs> Boo. I'm, I'm perfect. Boo. What, what about you guys? Um, I was afraid of heights as well. I had, I had an addiction to drugs, drugs so, I, so had I had to take, take drugs, drugs every now and then or else I would lose stats. stats. Ooh. And I had a third thing that I can't remember. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to, trying to think about what my third flaw was. But, um, I, I will say that I was asked to take on a flaw about auto mechanicals where I was afraid of them. But I did not take that, that because I didn't think it fit in my character. Mm. So I had fear of heights, plasma weakness, and corrosive weakness. Ah, thank you, Tristan. That was my other one. Is I was um, weak to pla- whatever. What's the what's the material that the mantas, the manta queens, spit out? Uh, plasma. Yes, I had weakness to plasma. Nice. So, and Tris, you said you had corrosive weakness, fear of auto mechanicals, and what was the other one? Uh, no, fear of heights, corrosive weakness, and plasma weakness. Nice. Yeah. Not that things usually got a chance to hit me. I I do think that the more skillful way to play through the game, or the way to give yourself an advantage, is to not take on the flaws. I just thought that it was neat they were in the game at all, and embracing the the role playing and embracing the you know the fact that we've been going through D, tristan you and i in this group like i thought that was a really that actually it actually kind of inspired me backwards so for our next session tristan i actually created a flaw for my character with uh with our dm 
Nice. That's awesome. No, I yeah. think yeah. I think I, for, I, flaw, the flaws were one of my favorite parts of it. I would have liked to have seen some more and some more interesting flaws. Yeah. Um, like, I like kleptomania would have been a great flaw. Like, like imagine if you took kleptomania as a flaw and you would automatically every so often if you moused over a stealable item steal it without the player inputting it so i think that one that one might actually exist um i i it wasn't on any of the lists i saw oh, but i think okay. that would be great it's just Maybe like not. like you actually like you're just you know scanning room you accidentally mouse over something that's stealable and your character steals it without you pushing the button, and then someone comes over like, "Hey, what are you doing?" You're like, "Wait, why are you coming over?" Oh, I did it again, didn't I? Okay, you're right. It's not in here. Maybe I'm actually thinking of D and D now. <laughs> I accidentally did a thieving. That I think something like that would be good, or a compulsive liar. Yeah. Where like if a lie option shows up that you can take, you have to take it. Oh, I love that. That's that really would have been that would have been great. So I, I think I think I think there could have been a lot more emphasis put on flaws, and we could have had some other flaws to choose from. Um, my only other big complaint with the game is with equipment. Well, and and load times on console, but with the equipment is the big one. Um, mainly that there isn't a lot of variety, especially for weapons. Armor's a little better, but for weapons, there really isn't a lot of variety. And the legendary weapons all seemed just kind of underpowered because you couldn't mod them. Yeah, actually, I actually learned way later in the game that you could repeatedly tinker a weapon. <laughs> oh, uh, that I, I did that so much. It felt great. Tinkering oh, yeah. for days. So I thought you could only do it once. I never bothered to tinker something twice. I just never even thought it to do it. So... At the end of the game, I was like, okay, now these legendary weapons are useless. Um, I, I do agree with all of the game flaws that you guys talked about, right? Like, I, I think the load times is the biggest one. And, Ali, I share your opinion that I think there is a lot of backtracking in the game to its detriment. Like, quest lines that have you going to, like, four different planets and different locations isn't a bad thing on paper. But when you consider how bad the load times are, it, yeah. it can make it kind of like, okay, I, I don't really want to do this quest. And I would also agree that I think, like, there's a lack of variety in some of the weapons and armor, and I think the organization of things. We, we just talked about Pokemon earlier in the episode. I, I think this game suffers from you just have a lot of stuff and don't really know what to do with it, and I think quests are another one of those things where I had, like, a thousand quests, and I just, even with their sorting options, I just couldn't find a way to manage. Like, it just gave, there was too met there was too much. So one thing, in terms of big flaw for me, and I think maybe it's just could also i think maybe this is less of a flaw with the game and more just like how i approach things and such uh was is that i i did feel like there was an ability to get burnt out on it like i did a big binge of it and then i had to take a break because like the little role-playing stuff wasn't like doing it for me like the stuff that's there's the game is really enjoyable with like the role-playing dialogues and the quests and uh, and just like the things they were doing, but I felt that like binging it, I didn't necessarily get the full forward momentum that kept me wanting to do it. It just I began to enjoy it less, so I then had to take a break from it. Uh, and 
that's the and that's not necessarily the experience I've had with all games. Like for instance, the last Wolfenstein game, I was just like must find the next portion of it. Uh, and similarly, I also had that feeling when I was going through the first Dishonored. Um, the although on the flip side of it, it, it was it definitely was better at keeping my interest than like let's say Fallout Four, which I still haven't finished yet. Not because I disliked Fallout Four, but like I really didn't feel any forward pull. So, I don't know. Again, that may be just me, maybe not, but I feel like if you're playing through this game, it's best to enjoy it in, like, nice slices, where you do a quest line for an hour, you savor it, and then you go and ride a bike or do something else, and then you go back to it. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a vision of you putting the game down, getting on your on a bicycle, riding it around, like, the block, and then coming back, and anyway, I don't know why that was funny to me, but it was. Uh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um so I guess inevitably we have to we have to talk about the comparison of those games like you know this is obviously Obsidian who built you know who actually Barra they are owned by Microsoft now so this is their last um game published with another publisher from here on out Microsoft is owns Obsidian. Yeah. So you'll, so you'll probably, probably see them, see on, them game on Game Pass. Pass. Like any, like new, any game new game they built probably, probably just be launched immediately, immediately day, one day one on Game Pass. Game Pass. Mm. Um, um but, but compared to something, to something like, like a Fallout 4, 4 and a, uh, like, a like a Skyrim or something like that, how does this, how does this, how does this type of game um, play, play? And then would you recommend this to people? people I, guess, I guess quickly, I would, I would obviously recommend this highly, highly to, anybody to anybody who hasn't played it. Um, and would I prefer something like this ultimately overall, I think, to a Fallout or a Skyrim? Do I do miss some of like the... Moment, like the weird, like, I got myself into a weird thing that nobody else has seen kind of situation. I mean, it's hard to, I was going to say, it's hard to not compare these games. Um, I mean, I love Skyrim. I love my Fallouts. I mean, God knows how many hours I spent on both those games. But to me, the thing that was so nice about this game was the RPG element of really feeling like I could build my character. Whereas, at least in the latest Fallout, I feel like I couldn't do that to the same degree. I had a lot of fun with Fallout 4, but like... Something something about it felt like not quite like my own character, mm-hmm. and I don't know why that is. I can't really explain it. Something about it just felt kind of off. This is. Are, are you talking about Fallout, the newest yeah, Fallout? Yeah, specifically about Fallout Four. Yeah, I agree, and I think the problem, in, in just thinking about it quickly, I think the problem with that is that like you you have a pretty defined character in Fallout Four. Like your character is so critical to the plot. Like you are chasing your child, and Sean! yeah, exactly. Sean! And your child is so integral to the story. Like you can't really. I I think the problem with a lot of these games is that your character has too many stakes in them. Like, it's kind of weird to play a character that isn't so involved in the story, but at the same time, like. Fallout 4, you kind of are playing this character whether you like it or not. Um, the, the Skyrim even gets that way a little bit with the Dragonborn stuff, I think. But overall, like you're just like a guy who's on a wagon or a guy or gal on a wagon who then can like... I can scream real good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it's like taking away the Dragonborn stuff, like you can really play the game however you want. And I think there's a lot of that missing in Fallout 4. Um 
which I, but I think the spirit of the Skyrim stuff I just talked about is captured well in the Outer Worlds. You can really be who you want and choose the stakes you want to choose. Yeah. Which isn't to say that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, I just think it was handled better in three, because three is sort of the same thing of I'm really concerned about finding this family member, but it's not as pressing. That's that's that makes any sense. Yeah, that that's the big thing for me is that in Fallout Four. Like, you get out of that vault, and, like, any real person, well, most real people in that situation, I can't say everyone, but most real people in that situation, like, the only thing on my mind now is finding my child. Like, and, you know, fucking off to some random area of the map doesn't make to sense. build a house. Right. To build a house doesn't make sense, because where's my child? Where's my, you know, that, that was my big problem. So, but uh, to go back to what you were saying earlier, I would 100% recommend um, The Outer Worlds if you want a really deep dive RPG game. I've had so much fun with it, despite like the little nitpicks I have here and there. Again, like to me, a game is really special when I can find myself really invested in characters and story and something that just makes me laugh. Like Again, I laughed so much when playing this game so much hilarious weird shit just happened so I, I think it's also important that we remember that Obsidian is the company that made Fallout New Vegas the best Fallout right and so I think what that says I think I think what that says and what Outer Worlds says especially in the wake of Fallout 76 is that most of what went wrong in Fallout New Vegas was probably Bethesda's fault and not Obsidian's. Yeah, and I, I mean, they had like what eighteen months to make that game. Using the, and they were super limited in, like they couldn't super tweak the engine. They had to use. They were super limited in art assets, and that en- creation engine is just more and more looking like hot garbage. Yeah. Um, Cause like like I said, like. Like, I've only really encountered one big bug in my entire playthrough of the game. Which would be, like, the miraculous second coming of Christ if this were made by Bethesda. Like, imagine imagine playing Skyrim and only encountering a single bug in your entire playthrough. I'd cry. Right? I'd cry. Right? Well, I think a lot of this has to do with their decision to use Unreal Engine for this game. Right. Which, it's kind of funny, like... An actual the, game engine? Right, but it's kind of funny, like, seeing, like, the Unreal Engine bugs at this point in our lives and just being like, yep, like, when you enter a new area and everything looks like crap and then it slowly loads and you're just like, yep, that's the Unreal Engine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you can literally tell what engine was used for the game uh, based on those bugs, but... A lot of these developers, like uh, EA, is the same way where they really try to push their in-house engines because they want to "quote unquote" save money, and I just think that's a really short-sighted way to look at it. It's a considering how idea. bad they are. Yeah, especially with the, like the Frostbite engine. Frostbite engine is good for like two things, and no, we're going to use it for everything. Right. Yeah, I, I would. I would definitely recommend this game. I think you know, as, as Dan say, has said, there's a number of comparisons to Mass Effect and. I definitely felt that and felt that in the best of ways. Um, I honestly like people were saying like, "Oh, it's short," but 
I honestly feel that I appreciate that you can be a completionist in this game and experience a lot of it and not have it take forever. Like, I sort of feel like the game respects my time that way, if that makes mm -hmm. sense. I was about to say, I was about to say, I feel like this game respects my time, which as an adult with a job and responsibilities, it's nice when a game is like, okay, you don't have a million years to do this thing. Like, I'm not going to waste your time. Exactly. And, a yeah. Allie, when you told me um, the other day via text chat that, like, I was actually almost done with the game, and I thought it was pretty early on, like, that was almost like a good, like, that was almost like a mission statement for me. Like, I was like, okay, <laughs> this is great. I can actually finish this thing. And, you know, I left, like, probably 15 to 20 side quests on the table. But you know what? Like... A, I didn't have to do them, and I was able to complete the game, quote-unquote, but also, like, or finish the game. But also, I could go through those, and there wasn't really any content in the game that was bad. Like, like that's the other big thing with this game and how it respects your time. Is like, I know when I start a quest, it's going to be interesting or fun in some way. With a lot of these other games, like, you can extend this beyond Fallout to any open world game, like even like um, an Assassin's Creed or something like that. There's just so much meaningless content just for the sake of content. Mm -hmm. And I didn't feel like I, I never once said, man, Outer Worlds was not worth my money. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot of like meaningless fluff in the yeah. game, which is really nice. No, no, no fluff, no collect all this random shit. It's just like, here are like, here is a good story quest. Here are other, some side quests that you can do. Um, and doing the side quest involves like just going to a place, talking to people, potentially fighting people, and just using your same core skills, which I appreciate it. And you know, if you want to go fast, you can go fast. Um, but if you want to do all the side quests, or all of the, uh, or or read all of the terminals, or loot all the boxes, you can do that as well. And, and yeah, I think. It's an it's a night. I, I I do feel like this game was made for people of our demographic in mind, which I appreciated. Disillusioned millennials who want down with capitalism. Yes, that and uh, <laughs> and also who want to be able to 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 finish a game while balancing everything else. <laughs> uh, Tristan, you seem like you have something you'd like to add. I I definitely recommend it. Um... I do appreciate that I was able to go from the the end of Monarch, basically, to the end of the game overnight. I mean, yeah, that was like eight straight hours, <laughs> but I only really left one. I only really left one, like side quest. Well, two technically, on the table, uh, because I basically said big nope to eradicating Edgewater. And then there was the um, uh, go all around Halcyon for the Explorers Club. And I was like, yeah, I don't have time for that. Also, everyone in Byzantium is trying to kill me on sight. And the first one's in Byzantium. So, yeah, I'm not going to be hanging around looking for that right now. Yeah, we didn't even really talk about the fact that you can really, like, kill everyone in the game and have quests become uncompletable um, as a result, or just uncompletable as a result of finishing other quests in certain different ways, but uh, man, I could probably just talk all day uh, <laughs> about this thing. Uh, 
but it sounds like we all recommend it. Does anyone else have any other final thoughts? No, I'm 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 great. This is this is great. Uh, may we all complete a game at the same time that we all both like and want <laughs> yeah! to play. Now yeah, to think... go back and shoot people in the nuts in slow time. <laughs> nice. Got to get that achievement. All right. Uh, does anyone want to promote anything in their personal lives? Drink lots of water. Read the Daily Hampshire so, Gazette, www.gazettenet.com. <laughs> so, with the uh, tumultuous future of YouTube looming, uh, I've actually gone and started up my own Twitch account. Nice. So, I'm going to start Twitch streaming. Um, still getting materials together, and I'll probably be doing Friday streams, but you can check me out at twitch.tv slash themillennialist. Uh, there's an underscore between the and millennialist. Uh, you can just, why don't you just send me the... Um... Yeah, we can throw it yeah. into the description. <laughs> I could just have that. it. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll send the Gazette Net link too. Read my newspaper, please. I will Amazon every each and every one of you a bottle of water. Aww. Also, check out Allie's. Uh, are you 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 still do the sports team, right, Allie? Um, my Overwatch stuff. Yeah, it's been a little lax a couple weeks because I've been sick as a dog. But people but, should still but, support um, Death Blossoms, right? Yes, Death Blossoms. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Overwatch. Whoa, still playing that game. Um. Awesome. I. You can find us at spoilermedia.net. Um, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, on our actual website at spoilermedia.net, like I just said. You can find us on social media at spoilermedia. Um, so no shortage of ways to check us out and check out some of other content. Um, We're great. all great podcasters sold. Yes. Yay! Alrighty. Until next time, y'all. This is a... Um, wonderful little episode and we will talk to you next time 69 nice nice bye con dios there's a star waiting in the sky he'd like to come and meet us but he thinks